y'all. You're now tuned in to the original podcast of A Stronger Foundation. Welcome. Some call me doctor, others call me Master T. You can call me anytime. I'm Sweet T, the academic architect PDO. That's planner, designer, and overseer of the academic success plan for kids. So tell your neighbor or call somebody and let them know it's that time. Hey, y'all, let's get building. So we want to talk a little bit about some learning theories. Learning theories are the driving force behind decisions made by the governing bodies of your child's education in terms of what children should learn and the best practices for delivering that knowledge. Educational psychologists study academic trends of how children acquire knowledge. In simple terms, the former method was isolated because Trends reveal that there is no need for educators to jump through hoops since any student who truly desires to learn will do so with or without a physical instructor simply as a result of their academic integrity and internal drive. But what about the kids that lack academic integrity and internal drive. Trends show that students who do not want to learn will not learn even with multiple teachers present. These are the kids that need a strong parent to step in and arrange alternative academic preparations in order to save the child from becoming a victim who enters into academic self-destruct mode. So let me tell you something. Most learners who are self-driven may not even require a physical teacher in order to succeed. Hence, they may easily thrive through virtual learning. A pretty significant number of research and findings are pointing to technology and digital resources as the most effective methods for instruction. So therefore, classrooms are becoming increasingly uh, digital. This is excellent for students who use classroom technology as they are intended to be used but it is not so good for some students. So let me explain what I mean by theoretical disguise as a shield for academic lies, which is the name of this podcast. Since just about all the research is suggesting that this is the best and most efficient way for students to learn, weak students with critical learning deficiencies are able to hide in a system that outrates physical, academic, hard work. So in many cases, 
it's not even that the work in a classroom is, is so hard, but rather it, it may be tedious as it requires the type of deep thinking and reasoning that is similar to the questions found higher in the taxonomy of learning that you saw in episode one that we went over together. The new intelligent learning softwares that are being used in the classrooms, they are designed to automatically adjust and readjust in order to accommodate students, mostly by backing off if the student seems to be having to use too much mental effort. So as the software adjusts the level of difficulty for the learner, the child is able to feel like they are mastering difficult, difficult skills, you know, which helps them to avoid frustration. The disguise I'm referring to is that these students appear to be learning certain degree of a standard when in actuality, their learning gaps are gradually multiplying. This is where the academic lies are shielded. Now remember that a lie is simply something that it's not true. A lie can be in various forms. And the form that I detest is when kids are misled into feeling like they're performing on level when they're really not. So in this case, it may not be a verbal lie, but it's a misleading of a child to believing that they are in, in the desired academic standings by giving them a PR which shields them from their academic reality. You get a PR, you get a PR, we all get a PR, but we've talked about that. Now these are the areas that tug on my heart. The reason that gave birth to the academic architect in the first place. You see, these kids are the underdogs. The ones who always end up with the short end of the stick because of certain habits they've acquired, perhaps through DNA. But that could have been nourished to help redirect this child if preventative actions had been implemented in a timely manner. See, it, it misleads a child, okay? It misleads a child into thinking that it's okay to walk at the same pace as their peer who may be on level or two to three levels above. That means they would be that much above the regular grade level bar. It shields the child to the point that they don't realize that based on their academic level for their grade, they need to be sprinting just to be able to regain the position they should be in. 
Now, we've already talked about the fact that a child should know their competition and that the competition is not their peer that's sitting next to them, not necessarily. The real competition is between themselves in terms of, you know, if they should be at a certain level and they're not there, you know, the competition should be, hey, can I beat my last record? Can I beat my last score? Can I get up to where I need to be? Because that's when a child truly wins. So I'm saying, I'm saying that if a student is on grade level, then it's one thing if by parental choice, they are permitted to walk. You know, that means just do the regular, just do the basic assignments. But for the child who is below level, how else will they be able to catch up unless they run? In academical terms, unless they double up on study time, how else will they be able to close those learning gaps? Should they just be provided with the most innovative learning resources and hope for a miraculous intervention? Excuse me, but I just feel like this conversation needs to be had. There is a distinction between teaching children survival skills and teaching, teaching them fun, foundational skills. Although many of the newest theories points to technologies as the missing link to educational reform, my concern is that they may present a degree of overstimulation for certain type of learners. Hence, the students may become sufficient in their acquisition of survival skills while critically lacking in their academic foundational skills. Now, by, by survival skills, I mean the digital skills they will develop that will most definitely be of great benefit in a world that is moving quickly towards a hands-free operation. There's no doubt that the kids are developing their technology skills, but many are not isolating the academic components alongside those digital, digital opportunities. The new research highly support increasing students' independence for their own learning. That means giving them a choice in what they learn and how they learn it. But this can backfire when students are given too much of the wrong type of independence too soon. Again, independence given to a self-driven learner is not the same as independence given to a lethargic learner who does not have the capacity to maximize their learning. I believe the theories that downplay the significance of, of note-taking in primary grades may prevent development of a vital habit that will enhance success in secondary grades.
Moreover, overstimulation from digital resources may contribute to a child's inability to engage in multitasking activities, like listening to teacher and taking notes at the same time. Listen, hard studying is not gonna hurt children. But so many parents back off when children complain about challenging work that requires deep thinking. When kids have growing pains, a parent does not seek to stop the pain by postponing the child's growth. Rather, the parent may explain to the child that growing pain is temporary, sweetheart, and necessary in order to get big and strong. And so in conclusion, learning theories are vital to the continued growth and development of the educational system. But regardless of what the leading theories say, parents can make the difference in whether their child embraces academic lies regarding their true status of their academic foundation. Now at times, I feel like I leave you hanging, although not intentionally. Sometimes I feel, feel like you may be asking, sweetie, what can I do to help align my child with their ideal destiny? Well, before I answer that question, I want to say, by now, I hope you have discerned my true motive and that I'm not driven by a desire to simply sell your product. In fact, to this point, I haven't tried to sell a product to anyone. I am driven by an internal propeller that resides in the innermost depths of my soul. See, I want children to understand that there is greatness inside of them and that with hard work, they can become the ideal version of who they were created to be. So now that I've said that, here's what I want from you. I want you to help me to make this happen. My mission. For my Florida listeners, especially if you're in the Palm Beach area, you can simply reach out to a stronger foundation and they can generate an academic success plan for your child. Now, outside of Florida, I can maybe explain what you may need. You generally want to have an academic specialist take a look at the overall academic standards your child needs to master through grade five and then create a strategic blueprint for accomplishing the standards. And to keep you from being taken advantage of, be certain that whichever source you decide to patronize, that they provide some form of strategic accountability that is trackable, rather than isolated sessions 
that does not link together in some sort of a planned outcome that can be determined as being achieved. You know, for example, you want to know, did, did, did my child achieve the goals that were, were set? Okay. But remember from another episode, if you don't know where the finish line is, if you don't have a goal, you'll certainly miss out on the gold. <laughs> so I hope that this information has been helpful to you. Thank you so much for listening.